0: Today's episode of the rewatchables is brought to you by state farm around here. We love talking about movies that we watch rewatch, watch watch again, because they're just that good. The thoughtful details, the little things other movies don't have that keep us coming back. And here's the deal. When it comes to insurance, we can't get enough of state farm. They have all the details we appreciate. They make insurance easy, monitor coverage, pay your bill, even file claim through their app, which was awarded best insurance mobile app, 2019. And thanks to their network of over 19,000 agents, You'll have someone local to walk you through options and help you choose a policy that meets your individual needs versus cookie cutter coverage. Best of all, they give it to you straight. No gimmicks, no games, just guidance so you can count on. It's a no brainer. Go out and get the insurance you deserve. Get State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get a quote or find an agent at statefarm.com. Meanwhile, DC Universe isn't your average streaming service. Not only can you watch your favorite superheroes and villains in action, you can read over 22,000 digital comics all while connecting with DC fans in their interactive community forum. DC Universe available on your favorite devices. Get 15% off your first three months with code Rewatchables. Valid for a monthly subscription only. Expires May 31st, 2020. Redeem at dcuniverse.com slash join. Join for a free seven-day trial. Once again, dcuniverse.com slash join we're also brought to you by the ringer.com as well as the ringer podcast network where we're still trying to crank out all kinds of content even though these are uh, obviously crazy times hope everyone is staying safe out there making the right decisions hope you are helping out different charities or whoever you can help if you can if you have the means and we're gonna as always try to give a little more levity right now consider that a divorce Total Recall <laughs> rewatchable is coming up. Please fasten your seatbelt. This summer, welcome to Mars. Let Arnold Schwarzenegger, Quaid. You got a lot of nerve showing your face around here. and who's talking. Show you a side of Mars that no one on Earth has ever seen before. Arnold Schwarzenegger. You think this is the real Quaid? Total Recall. It is. Rated R. Starts Friday, June 1st at a theater near you. All right. We've been circling this one for a while. Jason Concepcion is here. Shea Serrano is here. The 30th anniversary (laughs) of Total Recall is coming in a couple months. We couldn't wait. I think this is one of the best action movies of all time. This is just about as satisfied as I've ever been leaving a theater. This is one of those where it's like my expectations are high. It was at the time the second most expensive movie ever made, which is That's incredible. Insane. Um Arnold was at the peak of his uh his box office powers, his superstar powers, everything powers. You go to this thing, it's incredible. You walk out happy. It's been going on for 30 years. Jason, your favorite thing about this movie?
1: It, this is one of, I think, the best Arnold making sounds movie. Just he <laughs>
2: makes, he's like, ah, ah, he's <laughs> he,
1: like, make. Ah, ah, <laughs> ah. He's making these wild sounds all the time. When he first has the freak out in and Recall and the, and the people are trying to, are wrestling with him. To, Get off you! <laughs> Just, all those sounds. That's, that's probably my favorite thing about the
2: movie. Shay? Uh, my favorite thing about this movie is, remember when, when Terminator came out and everybody fucking went crazy for the scene when he's like cutting him his, cutting to himself? And we're like, yeah. Oh my god, this thing! Uh, Arnie Arnie has been one of the people who was not afraid to lean into the special effects part of it, and in this one, they just do so much wild shit. And he's and and he is a hundred percent serious for all of it. He's like, this is real. This is a real thing. I'm really taking this face off of my own face. I'm really pulling this fucking red orb out of my own nose. Like he's just going for it in every single one. And I and I love. That about I think he understands he's not the best actor. So he's just gonna be as serious as possible in the most ridiculous situations that you can put him in. And when you when you when you have him doing that, there's nobody better. Let's
0: uh, let's talk about Arnold. I don't know if we've ever really dove into him <laughs> on the rewatchables. And I'm happy to do it right now. Um I wrote, I did the Action Hero Championship belt for Grantland way back, and I wrote how. The thing that I love the most about him, he found the perfect balance between kicking ass, but embracing his own inner self parody. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing to juggle. And I don't even like when he made Terminator in 1984, I don't think he realized that he was unintentionally funny. <laughs> no, no. By he the didn't. time you get to Commando in 85, oh, it's yeah. like, hey, do some of the stuff with your voice and do some of the one-liners. People think this is great. Jason, do you Do you think Arnold was 100% in on the joke or like 50% in on the joke?
1: I think he was. I think he was 100% in. I, it was, you know, I, I was familiar with Arnold's work as a movie star way before I then saw Pumping Iron, which is like the documentary that kind of put him on the map about like the Mr. Universe contest and just- and he is so funny in that. Like hilarious in that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's genuinely funny in that. Like making jokes. Yeah, like type of funny, yeah.
1: Really really roasting his fellow competitors like absolutely brutally roasting Lou Ferrigno in a way that like almost feels mean like he's <laughs> he's hilarious in actual life. So I think he got it. He knew
2: I don't think I don't think he got it until after Terminator came out. I think when Terminator came out in his head he was like I'm fucking crushing this. This is an Oscar performance. <laughs> and then it came out and he, and he saw what people responded to and he was like, "Oh, okay, cool. I can't do this other thing, but I can do that." The, that was such a great like introduction for him because he's so good at sort of flattening out the emotional spectrum and just being a thing, just being a, a fucking hunk of meat because he's not very good at fighting. You watch this movie and you realize like there are no yeah. karate scenes in yeah. here. He's just bigger and stronger than everybody. He's just fucking pushing people for for most of the movie. So he, he knew he wasn't good at that part of it and he knew he wasn't good at the acting part of it. He somehow figured out this like weird gray space to just be better than everybody else at this one thing. So he makes Conan the Barbarian in 1982. Mhm. And
0: that's how He enters Hollywood, basically. He's this famous, famous, famous bodybuilder. He's a bit of a playboy. He's a guy who's at the Playboy Mansion. There's a lot of Arnold. I think he stepped in pretty liberally a lot of times over the years with some of Hollywood's uh, finest ladies. Ends up becoming a movie star. And in 84, he makes Conan the Destroyer, which is a truly terrible and hilarious movie. Will Will uh, Chamberlain.
1: Is that the one with Will Chamberlain? Will Chamberlain's in it. He's (laughs) Will Chamberlain,
0: he rides a horse in that movie. It's really bad. And then, uh, but then the Terminator happens. The first time we see Arnold, he's just just buck naked walking on the street, his fucking dick swaying. (laughs) It's like, whoa, Arnold. Uh, And he's great in that. But the I'll Be Back was the seminal- Mm-hmm. Transition moment for him because once people started saying that coming out of that movie, it it kind of it moved to another level. And then Commando, a movie that's very near and dear to Shay's heart. And made- yeah. that was when he kind of put the recipe. So he goes Commando, he does Raw Deal, which wasn't great. Then it goes up another level. He's got the running man, Red excellent. Heat. Red Heat. Excellent. And then and then and then Twins is where also they excellent. go... Also excellent. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, you know, Arnold, you should do a comedy. He's like, yeah, I should do a comedy. That would be funny. And it was great. Yeah. It was a <laughs> really good movie. And uh, so he's at the peak of his powers and that leads to this movie where the script has been kicking around forever. Um, We'll go through in half-assed internet research some of the ways it fell through. Arnold finally uses his clout to get it made. And it's kind of crazy. Like... He persuades this company called Carolco to buy it for three million bucks. The script. He negotiates a salary of ten to eleven million, plus fifteen percent of the profits, plus veto power over producer, director, screenplay, co-stars, and promotion. Wow. Yes. He's like, yes, I'm in charge of everything. Yes, <laughs> I will. I will control all of this. <laughs> and goes against Paul Verhoeven because he had just done RoboCop. And Arnold loved that movie and had actually thought about being into it. And, and so this all happens. And then the movie's super expensive. And there's a moment where it starts to get the bust. You know, this is going to be at his box office disaster kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it's the opposite. Um, did you guys see this in the theater? Are you old enough to have seen this in the theater? I,
2: see- I, did, I didn't see it in the theater. This was like-
1: yeah, I saw it on VHS. I, 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 didn't, ha- I didn't
2: have that experience, Yeah. I saw it on VHS as well. I
1: rented it on VHS uh, and watched it like it, as a sleepover event with a bunch of friends, and we were just blown away by it. We ended up watching it like sixty times in a weekend.
2: This was one of the movies where it was like my uncle, my cool uncle Brian, who like showed me all the movies. He's like, "You need to see this movie." There's a woman in it with three breasts. <laughs> so, and I was like, "All right, I guess I, I." I was like, "Fucking ten years old or whatever." I was like, I "Guess I got to watch this movie now." And we just sat there and watched it.
0: So it's the last movie of this era where they're doing things old school. Like they go to Mexico City, they're building sets for eight months and and they're doing the miniature sets that they film yeah. out like they're a real movie set. And it's funny because he does this in 1990, but then Terminator 91, that's when movies change. Mm-hmm. The shit that they do in Terminator yeah. 2, it's like, what is going on? We can do this with a film? So I feel like Total Recall is like the last of... This kind of pre-Terminator 2 era, right? Yeah,
1: like the the like the rubber masks and like the 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 puppet of Arnold's head, like the way they did in the original Terminator, like all that stuff. Even at the time, it kind of looked fake, but it was it was done to a level that we had never seen before at that point.
2: Yeah, it was such a big swing yeah, that you was couldn't a deny huge swing. it. You're just like, I get it. I get it. I could tell that's not him, but like we're going, we're gonna go with it. And the makeup, like the uh the mutants are
0: still really impressive. Like some of the stuff they pulled off. Like some of the, the guy with the hand, it looks like an axe wound. Yeah. Um though the cab driver pulls out his fucking moving hand. Quato. That was that was Dean Norris, Hank from
1: Breaking Bad.
2: Yeah, that's Hank. Oh yeah, the, you're right. Yeah. The, yeah, the guy you're talking about, yeah. the main the main Mutant. They. what's wild about when I'm re-watching this movie is I realize they do a lot of talk about about like the, the the different mutants in there, and we really only see the three different types of mutants. We see the ones who have like the weird uh, face disfigurations, and then out of nowhere, the, the arm guy. Yeah. And then, and then Quato, like growing off of the other person. I, I would like to see like 40 other types of mutants because there have to be like, are those like, is that like the three main ones? You're one of those three if you're.
0: Well, don't sleep on the three boob lady. I think yes. that's the fourth bucket. Oh, yeah. And there had to be like a. <laughs> there there be be a, a, third, a she should have been the third bucket. Literally
1: the third <laughs> there bucket. Had to be
0: a, there had to be a two dicks, four balls guy that they probably <laughs> cut out. They are like, America's not ready for this. <laughs> Double dick guy.
2: <laughs> Double dick.
0: Yeah when we'll get to it when we talk about the movie, but when they get to Venusville, the movie oh, really shit. goes it goes to up level. like seven notches. It's like what is that there's a sharper image, but then there, there's a mutant bar like what is, what is happening? Where are we um the The cast is <laughs> it's got Sharon Stone, yeah. Right before her career, she becomes an A plus lister with Basic Instinct, ironically with the same director, but not ironically, because he saw her in total recall and was like, wow, we should build a crazy mm-hmm. sex movie around this personal work. Ronnie Cox, uh uh just staple 80s, that guy who became Ronnie Cox. Um, do you is he very is he Coogan to you or is he Bogomil from the cop movies? Wait in, if you had to go one or the other, where do you go with Ronnie and he's Coogan,
1: Just because of the name, Coogan, okay. And he is he does so many little things that are hilarious and over the top in this. <laughs> like when he invites them all to, the, to the, uh, the cocktail party, like towards the end after like reaming everybody out and then he gets on his elevator with his guards and he just like puts his two fingers up and does this like little pointing gesture. <laughs> he,
2: just,
1: he is so evil. He is the shit in this. He just goes for he,
2: it. For me, he's, uh, he's the, the guy in Robocop. Dick Jones, that's like the, oh. the one the one I go to first. Did did you know that he's like a singer songwriter? What? When I was working, Ronnie at Cox. The, yeah, if I I might have this mistaken. I feel like I don't though. When I was working at the Houston Press, I was covering like different nightclubs, and I went to one nightclub, like a little indie type bar, and he was there performing, like playing a guitar and singing. Wow. I'm almost certain that's true. It well, might I be wow. a lie. But I just I'm went to his wiki,
1: true. and he's he in his picture, he's sitting there holding a guitar. So yeah. Boom. That's him.
2: That's my guy. You need a bad guy. You need a bad, rich, white guy in the 80s. You fucking, that's the first call you Go get Ronnie Cox. (laughs) He, Yeah, he's, if you look at his IMDb,
0: he popped in a few of them. We also had uh, Michael Ironside. He's a classic. Another classic. That guy from this era. I've never seen anybody go harder for the Vincent Hanna They Knew Award than he does in this (laughs) movie. He has seven... Seven, eight different <laughs>
2: moments where he's just like, I'm dialing this up to 13. There there are maybe like five or six people who when you see their face, you go like, oh, you're a bad guy. Yes. You're just a bad guy. <laughs> like fucking Chong Li, just a bad guy. <laughs> you're a bad guy. For all of your career, You like imagine you if Michael Ironside is your dad and that's like the guy who walks into your room at night.
1: He did play a good guy one time that I remember. If you, re- if you recall, what if you recall the 80s, miniseries V in which aliens, lizard aliens disguised as humans come to earth. And then, yeah. the, and then the earth like rises to rebel against them. Michael Ironside was like the, one of the leaders of the resistance, if I recall correct. But that's like literally the only time that I remember that he was he, a good guy.
2: I feel like him versus. He was, he was th- a good guy and, and starship troopers too. Oh, that's, true. One yeah, of, like, that's the, true. Yeah. yeah,
0: My guy, him, him versus uh Neil's dad. In um Dead Poets Society, who ended up being on that 70s sh- show, another evil bald guy. Yeah. They yeah. must have <laughs> shown up at the same casting calls for like 15 <laughs> straight years. They probably just, just rode like,
2: there together.
0: <laughs> They're like bird and magic, just going head to head for every title. Then uh R- Rachel Ticketin.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Is that how we say your name? T- I thought it was Tikatin. Sure. Uh, I'd i I just call I just call her Rach. In my house, in the Serrano house, <laughs> she's just, just Auntie <laughs> Rachel. She's Tia Rachel. That's who she is.
0: I, te- I texted you guys this as we were playing in the pod. Greatest half Puerto Rican, half Russian Jewish actress ever? Ever. Shea? right? you have her number
2: one? Ever. She's number one on my pick. She is also, she yeah. is so good in like everything that she's in. Like she's a man on fire. Yes. I, oh my God, you're, in man you're a man on Kana fire. She's great a man on fire. That's actually, Yeah. Like if if you're putting together a string of three action movies that you're in and you can say I was in Man on Fire, Con Air, and fucking Total Recall, that's an automatic. A that's a, yeah. that's an automatic seat at the at the table. Unbelievable. A a lot of good stuff. It's going to be her and then
1: whenever Mero from Deezus and Mero, whenever Mero's kids grow up and go into <laughs> acting, they will then oh, have go. a chance at being the greatest. But they're Dominican. Dominican they're d- half Dominican, half Jewish <laughs> actors and actresses from the Bronx. They have a shot, but right now it's crazy.
0: Well, whenever they <laughs> disgrace the original Total Recall by doing their third remake of this, awesome. may- maybe they could go. We, we, let's just, Let's just say this right now. Let's just get this over with. I like Colin Farrell. I support him. him. He was a fun podcast guest. I was outraged that when they did the Total Recall remake, I don't feel like movies should be remade unless the original is either so dated or you have an opportunity to to kind of remodel, refashion, modernize a movie that had a great idea but then couldn't, you know, in 2000, whatever is just going to be better now. Them remaking Total Recall was inexplicable. This movie is still kind of perfect. I don't know why they did that. It made me that's angry. It,
2: that's exactly what happens. Yes. They they this is 2012 and they're like, oh, we somebody watched that movie and go, oh, we can do that, but with better effects now. And then it just lost all of the charm. It just wasn't nearly as interesting.
1: Well, Verhoeven anymore. really injected the whole thing with it with a a real campy, like, subversiveness, like the bright colors, the humor, the wild character design. He's not, like, trying to make it be, like, this gritty, you are on Mars, watching the rebellion on Mars kind of uh, movie. And I think that was... I think you're exactly right, Shay. People saw it and were like, oh, we can make this more realistic. We can take out the camp and make it more of a of a of a gritty, like war psychological, sci-fi thriller movie. And it just kills like all the vibe. It takes out everything about what's fun about that movie.
2: Yeah. It would be like if you took the the scene in Kill Bill when Beatrix Kiddo slices everybody's arms off and the blood is just spraying everywhere. And you're like, we should do that, but like turn it down a little bit. It's not it's not as fun when you do that, that was a main problem with that one. There's only one actor. If you're going
0: to remake total recall, which nobody should ever do again, but to not go to Vin Diesel there and just be like, (laughs) at least he's going to give you some of the unintentional comedy that Arnold gave you, you know, like there's only
2: one choice. I love Vin Diesel desperately. I don't think he can pull this off. I don't think we've had an actor who could do what Arnold can do. Like you try to picture the rock in this role and the rock is just, he's just, he yeah. can't quite get there. Yeah. Just,
0: I, don't, I don't
2: know. Well, one of my favorite things with
0: Arnold, he, well, two things, actually, that I just think nobody has been able to really replicate. One, when he tries to be funny and he knows he's being funny, but it's somehow, it's funny two different ways. It actually is funny, but then it's funny that he knows he's trying to be funny. Yeah, And then, and when Arnold tries to act, when he's really like trying to act, it's just wonderful. It's spectacular. Like, even him trapped in the chair, like, going, Oh, oh, oh.
1: this is actually some of my favorite Arnold acting, like, legitimately yeah. ever. He, when yeah. when he first arrives at Venusville on Mars, and then the, the mutant little girl comes up to him <laughs> and is like, Can I tell your future? And then he,
2: he rubs her face. He, he rubs her face. He's like, he becomes
1: this like really warm and charming guy, and you immediately <laughs> through his reaction to her, like, oh, that's the side I need to be on in this movie. That he's the mutants who are being oppressed. He like he crushes it in this. He sells it. Like when when Sharon Stone is like, uh, you know, it was it was still fun, Doug, even though uh, it was all implanted memories. Like some of it was still funny. He was like, oh, thanks. He's like he's really got some nice quiet moments in this.
0: Yeah, he's even when Sharon Stone turns on him the first time and his reaction out it, it it seems authentic. Glory.
2: <laughs> what are you Glory, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like he's like genuinely hurt by it. He wasn't expecting her to do that, like in real life. He was like, wait a minute. <laughs> What's going on here? I love. I I really really love that scene so much because they get they get in like a real fight, like an actual yeah. fight. She fucking s- slices him across the chest with a kitchen knife, and then 15 seconds later, they're just sitting there talking. She's like, "My bad. <laughs> I know it's just t- part of the job." You get it. You get it. <laughs> I love.
0: Shay looks like he's filming a Nike video for like some seminar for <laughs> for billionaires. I love I'm, the background I, yeah. of Shay.
2: As as soon as I sa- I sat down and I saw y'all with your, you've got like these very professional setups and I'm just holding mine like a fucking open mic comedian. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: like open mic I need to a Rico. I need a stand. Um, so the film was loosely based based on uh, Philip K. Dick's short story, We Can Remember It for Wholesale, which got knocked around Hollywood for years and years. The budget was somewhere between 50 and 65 million. Which it made it was second most expensive movie at the time, 1990. Can you guess what the number one most expensive movie was in ni- ever in 1990? Uh, Gone. The answer shocked know. me. You won't guess it. It's okay. Rambo There's, two. First what? Blood. Rambo. Rambo 2? Part two was There's the no most way that's expensive true. There's movie. No until, way that's true. Until 1991, How? Terminator Two became the most expensive. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody, a lot of stuff blowing some, up. Somebody okay. got been, rich yeah, off of that. Somebody been
1: embezzling money off of
0: that production. <laughs> <laughs> My only thought was maybe they paid Sly like 30 million mm. back then to do it. I don't, know. I don't know. Um the movie made 261 plus million worldwide, which is a crazy number for 1990, I man. I don't even That's know what lot. that is now. Uh our guy Roger Ebert Coming off a a career-ending loss on the Tommy Boy podcast. He (laughs) gave it one out of four stars. (laughs) And put it on its most hated list. It's been tough. Raj, coming back strong here. Three and a half stars. Attaway Raj. Total Recall. Attaway Raj. Good comeback. He said it was one of the most complex and visually interesting science fiction movies in a long time. And argued that it demonstrated Schwarzenegger's talent as an actor. By showing more yeah. confusion and vulnerability <laughs> yes I, than in previous roles
1: 100 uh, percent agree
0: Jason, give us the science fiction um grade for this movie from you you you've been you've been known to dive into the science fiction realm from time to time uh, how how good, how accurate how groundbreaking well uh, to me uh, the whole thing with genre,
1: especially sci-fi is like does the does the setting Mars, uh, memory wipes, memory implantation. Does the like the tech and the setting and the and the and the 2084 Earth context overpower the story? And it really doesn't. Like, I think they really do a good job of making it about this character, Doug Quaid, who is caught in a really confusing situation. Thought he was a construction worker. Turns out he's like a spy who switched sides. Um, I think it's, it's really well done. Um, I'd give it a I'd give it a eight out of ten on the sci-fi scale. I mean, that's part of the reason why that. that's part of the reason why the why, um, you know, the, the effects are campy and you can tell they're fake and all that stuff. But it doesn't really matter because it's about Arnold and his acting performance and about the characters that he's involved in.
2: Yeah, I think that's a trait that all of the very best science fiction movies have is like uh, in in the worst science fiction movies, they're doing weird stuff just to do weird. A hundred percent. And in the very best ones, everything serves a purpose. There's a reason that we have this weird thing right here at this one weird moment. Like it all fits together and it just is it's super entertaining to watch. We're going to take a break and then we're doing the categories. Hey, we
0: all love escaping reality, and right now we need it more than ever. Good thing there's a new incredible way to escape and be entertained. Quibi, a new premium streaming service designed for your phone with movie-quality shows and episodes in 10 minutes or less. New episodes of fresh original shows releasing every day. Shows with the biggest names in entertainment. People like Christoph Waltz, Liam Hemsworth, and Most Dangerous Game, Sophie Turner braving the great unknown in a dangerous environment with a stranger and survive and Caitlin Olson and will Forte get mixed up doing home makeovers for the cartel and flipped Quibi has it all from the comfort of your phone with some pretty cool effects too, where you can tilt the phone and and watch it in different screens, all that stuff. Download the Quibi app now to enjoy a free 90 day trial. All right, I have a lot of categories. I didn't even really know how to handle most rewatchable scene. Um just a lot of candidates. And if I I'm going to rip through them and then if I left anything out, um you can uh throw them at me. First one, Arnold goes to recall. He just on a whim, he's like, "Hey, you know what'd be <laughs> fun? What, what should I do on my lunch break? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have a vacation experience, a vacation save the world experience planted in my brain and then I'll go back to work. Um, he, I like when he, uh, when he picks his, his female to accompany him on the journey and and he's starting to get jazzy. He's like, hetero, athletic,
2: slim, athletic, voluptuous, athletic,
0: demure,
2: aggressive, sleazy, be honest.
0: Just great, sleepy Arnold. Uh, then he freaks out in the chair. It looks like we've got another. It looks like we've got another schizoid embolism. I don't even know what that means. you but blew my cover. <laughs> <laughs> you blew my cover. What the fuck you're on here? You can't do a simple goddamn double. Embolism. He dials it up to 19 other levels, and I'm gonna throw that scene combined with when he gets into Johnny Cab. And then gets in the airport fight. I feel like that's all one giant scene when he runs into the old fat guy from the construction site and all of a sudden the four guys are jumping him and he's got to kill him. So anything else from that scene?
1: Um, it's Just you bringing that up. There's really like, I was reminded of the fugitive in the way, like especially like the middle act of this movie is just absolutely balls to the wall, never stops. Once he's on the run after recall, it's yeah. like, Scene after scene after escape after escape after fight after fight. It's just like constant action.
0: It's great. Shay, any any other thoughts before we move on?
2: I, I the main thing I like about that one is tied to what Jason is saying. It sets in motion all the stuff that's gonna happen yes. immediately afterward. And at that moment, you feel like you have an understanding of what's going to happen in the movie. And then it just fucking goes in the complete opposite direction you're expecting and not only that but it goes in the complete opposite direction you're expecting and when you get there everything makes perfect sense i had not rewatched this movie like in its totality in probably 10 or 15 years i sat down and rewatched it last night and i couldn't i couldn't quite remember exactly how everything played out so it felt like i was watching it for the first time again and then when you get the the reveal that arnold actually was the bad guy and you know like, i was like oh fuck it I, I, what what the fuck is going on? This is fucking incredible. I wanted to bring everybody in my family to come sit down and, and watch it with me again. Fantastic.
0: Also, Arnold, almost like, you know, Eddie Murphy and The Nutty Professor playing different characters. Arnold doing the arrogant, <laughs> arrogant guy from the past. Hey, character. buddy. He's got that little smirk on his face. <laughs> now that you've found my thing. Uh, next one. Arnold goes back home. And Sharon Stone realizes that he knows and they have an awesome fight scene. There's some good research in this on, she realized that this, you know, she, she was somebody that had kind of bounced around in Hollywood for eight, nine years there. She was the first time I saw her was a movie called a differences, which is a Mount Rushmore divorce movie for the child of divorce kids like myself, uh, Ryan O'Neill and, and, uh, Drew Barrymore. But so she's on the map. She's, She's in uh, The Adventures of Alan Quartermain, whatever that movie was called. Then Action Jackson. Action Jackson. It really feels like it might happen. Yeah. She's in there. Classic. Um, But then Total Recall, she knew was going to be, Arnold's the biggest star in the world. This is going to be her movie. And there's all this research. She got in like amazing shape, learned jujitsu and all this stuff. So when they do this fight scene, there's a reason it looks like she could kick Arnold's ass. I think she could have. Because as Shea put it out, Arnold can't fight. That's he's, yeah. he's
1: just kind of like brute strength. That's it. Well, the thing was that was kind of the style in the eighties. Like we, for, it's it's we're so used to like the 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 kind of born of bornification of action movies now, and the John Wickification of like action movies now that we yeah. forget that in the eighties it was all about being huge. It was like Stallone mm, yes. and Schwarzenegger and and John Claude Van Damme. You're supposed to be big, and you just kind of like overpowered people. Like there's all these scenes in all of Arnold's movies, but especially in this one where Arnold just like breaks through restraints. Like he's strapped down, but then just like pulls his, pulls like huge steel restraints like out of their housings and just like, because he's just huge and strong. So I think that was kind of the style. And then that's the best fight scene in the movie because she comes at him like with a whole technical angle and her stance and everything. She really seemed like she knew how to fight.
2: Yeah, it's like a like a king cobra versus a grizzly bear mm-hmm. in this and this thing. Between uh, during the 80s, Arnold and Stallone, between the two of them, they put out 19 different action movies. And that was really them putting their stamp on like what an action hero needs to look like right. and sound like and feel like. We saw Tupac do the same thing when he got out of prison. And he became like the, the 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 version of a gangster rapper that became what a gangster rapper is. Like that's what they did in the eighties. And and uh, I don't know. You just watch it, and it's, fun, it's fucking. I don't know. I, I'm just gonna keep saying how much fun it is to watch. That's all that it is.
0: You know who might have advanced it even before Sharon Stone a year earlier? A guy very near and dear to our hearts, Mr. Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. Yeah, because oh. that was that was the first action movie where. It wasn't brute strength. And you, you could even, if you want to get super technical, it's like the center position in the NBA in like the 90s where Arnold Arnold, and Sly was just like low post game, brute force. Like Arnold was like Shaq. I'm just going to do a drop step and try to dunk on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then j- the John Wick era, it's like, I'm moving out to the three-point line. Yeah. I'm spreading the floor. I'm giving you different looks. I'm going to play with with more pace. And John, like John Wick, has no correlation to this movie.
2: When you when you watch this one, did you feel like I felt the same way when I watched Speed and you saw Sandra Bullock and you go like, Oh, that's this. That's clearly a superstar. And when Sharon Stone shows up on the screen and she just everything about her has so much gravity. And you're like, Oh, I get it. You you have to be a superstar now. It's weird
0: though. She had. I'm telling you, she had that the whole decade. And it would, this was the first movie that really hit it and she coming out of this movie she was a star like there were stuff written about her what's next for her and it led to the basic instinct thing we're gonna get to Deanne Waiters in a second but <laughs> she's only in three scenes and it yeah. feels like she's in the whole movie each mm-hmm. scene she is just doing 90 different things and um, you know just incredible job by her Um, next scene Arnold arrives in Venusville oh man Couple of the uh, couple of the places there you could eat or drink. You could you could drink at the Sleaze Bar. You, <laughs> you could have lunch at Mars Burger. Uh, you can stay at the Mutant Hotel. That was another <laughs> one. And then randomly, just there's a sharper image and Jack in the <laughs> Box, just, right. and there's Pepsi advertising. I'm, I'm not really not sure what was going on in Venusville. Why Shay? Why was Pepsi even advertising in in uh, Venusville? What were they trying to get there?
2: There's always one fast food restaurant that survives through time. Yeah. Again, demolition (laughs) man was Taco Bell, and she's like, "Oh, I get like over here is fucking Pepsi and and Jack in the Box." You have to have one. I I read a story the other day about like they're sneaking KFC in the Eastern European countries like through some underground tunnel. You always have one.
0: Um, it was filmed in Mexico subway station. Wow. Which they refashioned. Apparently, there was some Mexico subs. I forget the name of the city. Jason, was this basically Venusville and the mutant, the sleaze bar? Is this one of Stefan's bars from SNL when he would talk about... (laughs) There's some great stuff going on in the mutant bar.
1: It's got everything. Mutants with heads that look like vaginas. Women with three breasts. Three boobs, ladies.
0: (laughs) Children who can Uh, read your fortune. I would watch and maybe we should just do this on the ringer i would watch like a 20 minute video of people freeze framing the different parts of venusville cuz it it's so much so fast you can't yeah. even pro- yeah. it's like basically disneyland for mutants and but mm-hmm. yet there's also like brothel and there's drugs <laughs> and there's just a lot going on
2: yeah and they don't they don't explain any of it they just drop you in You're like good luck let me pitch this right now right uh 10 episode Season
1: series Venusville it's Cheers meets total recall so it's just like the bar and the and the neighborhood in Venusville and all the characters and you just uh, live with them uh we we'll make it like a half hour sitcom and it's just the aliens and the, the mutants rather and the and the humans trying to make their way in a tough situation where air is uh being
0: sold to them and they're living under cheap domes I would I mean it. I mean, that was the Total Recall remake that should have happened. Yes, Instead of yeah. just remaking the movie, like take—that's basically what they did with the Karate Kid franchise with Cobra Kai, where they were just like, let's take something that already existed and create something new out of it. Venusville—if right. that was like, like if you saw, hey, tonight on Netflix, Venusville premieres. It's the spinoff of Total Recall, the Mutant bar. I'd be like, what? <laughs> when does that start? <laughs> um, next one, next rewatchable scene. The bald creepy guy from Recall coming back to visit Arnold on Mars um, with Sharon Stone, trying to Great convince scene. him that this Great has been scene. all
2: a dream all along. Um, Were you convinced? Like, did he convince you? Was he able to get? To I you? still have questions. I wanna, I still let's don't know. save that for the end of the movie. Yeah, save okay. that for the end of the movie or right, the end of
0: right. the podcast, because um, I I think I have a lot of thoughts on that. The sweat drop is iconic from this. It's point. iconic. And. And Arnold's like makes that confused Arnold's face, and he's like, well, And then he realizes what's going on. Now you did it, and then Sharon Stone <laughs> kicks his ass again. Yeah, again. She kicks Arnold's ass
2: twice again. in this
0: movie, and it seems legitimate. Um, and then we have um, we have Stone versus Rich Ticketin, which um, Verhoeven says in the DVD commentary, apparently, which I did not watch that he believes it was the first time ever in a feature film where two women had an actual fight versus just like a cat fight. Like they would have on dynasty. Right. This is like an actual, like real fight. That's fun to watch. That has, you know, we, we just did fast seven with mm-hmm. Letty yeah. fighting Ronda Rousey. Like this is the Jackie Robinson of, of awesome <laughs> female fights. And then it ends with consider a divorce.
1: Incredible line too, from Ticketin, which gets overlooked. Is that your wife? That was your wife?
2: What a bitch. <laughs> <You're> right, right. <laughs> she Ra- Rachel was there. They do the whole this person walks so that person could run. Rachel walks so Michelle Rodriguez could run. I really really Oh yeah. Rachel like. There Rachel, you yeah. go. Yeah. And then it has the ender with
0: the consider that a divorce which brought the house down if you're in yeah. the theater. We're married. <laughs>
1: Considered a divorce.
0: This is a phenomenal seven minutes. Right. It's re- it's really like everything about that guy who's only in one scene—the sweat drop guy, um, Arnold trying to read the situation. It it moves a couple different times, and you have the second fight after the first fight. It's really good. Um, yeah. Next one, Quado, which <laughs> um, no not thanks. <laughs> <Not> thanks. <laughs> I just. <laughs> I just want to point out like how unbelievable this was in 1990.
1: Yeah, it was like still Where unbelievable now. It, you were not it looks ready real.
0: for it. It looks real. First of all, the guy
2: turns around. You're like, is that? Is he jerking off? That's what's, what I
1: thought. What's happening I, right
2: now? For the record, oh, oh. I, I was not thinking, is this guy jerking off when I well, watched Well, he turns around and he starts like, <laughs> pulsating. It's like, what is I this did, guy
1: doing? I remember thinking like, wait, what is What is? I think I saw this around the time that I saw Silence of the Lambs. So the Migs thing was kind of still in my head, and I was like, "Oh my!" I was like, "Wait, what? what, Is it happening again? What's happening?"
2: Right. (laughs) (laughs) He must must went
1: Migs.
2: (laughs) Great special effects, though. Yeah, this was the part of the movie where you just were like, "All right, I'm gonna stop trying to guess at what's going to happen (laughs) because I have no idea anymore." At all, it's so hard to watch. Now the, the little guy is just so ugly and slimy for some reason, and he talks weird. You are what you do. A man is defined by his action, not his memory. And the like the the, the puppetry or whatever that is is like it's a lot. It's a lot. Marshall Bell, the actor who plays George,
1: also did the voice of Quado. Which is a wild, yeah, he doubled I hope he got paid
2: twice for that. Double threat. (laughs) It's so hard. (laughs) Listen, whenever we do one of these rewatchables or whenever we're talking about movies, I always will have this like urge to bring my kids in to watch the movies as well. Like when John Wick, we're talking about John Wick, and I was like, oh, I brought the twins in. They're 10 or 9 or something, and I'm like, we're going to watch this movie. I knew what it was. I knew I was going to watch... 47 people get shot in the head, and I'm like, yeah, come (laughs) with me, nine-year-olds. But when we said we were doing this one, and I remember the Quado scene, I was like, nobody can watch this. No, I'm not going to allow you to see this, because it's too disturbing. I don't think you need to see this at your age right now. And they're almost teenagers now.
0: I'm stunned that 30 years ago, they were able to make that look that realistic without CGI. Apparently, they had like a bunch of puppet people, and there it was like a whole thing, but- you watch it now and you're like how the fuck did they do this?
2: Now they would just CGI it. I don't think it works if it's CGI either. Yeah. There's just something something about like the 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 texture yes. of the situation that There's that a can, there's like a sliminess,
1: there's a sliminess to yes. him, like a greasiness yeah. that me, that is part of the way you react to that character is how slimy it looks and how like the light actually plays across the texture of the skin of it. It is
2: Yeah. weird
1: to look at. It is gross. And when you
2: rewatch it now, and you see the guy walking around and they're shooting just a lot of them from like here up. Yeah. And a couple of times you see like far away shot and he clearly fucking gets big like an umbrella at the at right. the bottom of him. Like, oh, I, I, I get it now. My theory is
1: it was, it, the look of him was like influenced by garbage pail kids. This is just my theory.
2: Yeah. That's a good theory. <laughs> I buy into that theory.
0: Um, I throw it in rewatchable scenes only because I just can't believe they pulled... Off that entire like four minutes that they had the technology in 1990, and I do they is that an official Siamese twins situation? What's going on there? It's that Uh, yeah, I don't know.
1: It's very tough to figure out like what it is, like
0: what what's the head doing. What's the head doing during the, during the day? Like just at like three o'clock, like they don't out. need, they don't need Quato. Like, is he just hanging out? Is he napping? Well, what is he doing?
1: Yeah. Like, is he always there? And then he, does he emerge? Is he just like kind of unconscious? Like the way that George goes unconscious when Quato comes out? Like what, how? Yeah. That's I, think, what, I
2: think he's, he's like in a state of comatose whenever he's not needed. And then he sort of presses his way out each time. That's what I think. I think that's what so I think the guy was doing when he was turned around making the noises. I think he was letting him out. So he, so Quato's in a coma, but then when
0: the guy needs him, he does the whole thing. He has to turn around and basically yeah. gives birth to him every time. He's, he but summons then he them. passes out. He's yeah. out as as Quato's kind of taken over. So it's almost like bipolar crossed with Siamese <laughs> or schizophrenic crossed with Siamese twins. There's or? a lot. There's a lot going I, on. There's a lot going on. Um, great idea. Uh, the last one, the final fight sequence to the ending. I, I, I just think it's hard to separate any of this. Where you have the guy, the the cab driver who all of a sudden turns into the bad guy. He's got a tank. He's trying to kill them. Arnold kills him with the screwdriver. Screw you! Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah. And then, <laughs> then he takes on twenty five people at the same time. All of a sudden, he has hologram access. Oh, yeah. Yeah, puts the hologram in the middle and that shit sure where that came from kills another 25 that was in the,
2: that was in, the in the thing the in suitcase the like, pack of supplies the suitcase he got yeah. it earlier right. when he pulls it so, thing out yeah
0: so again a Total Recall ahead of its time seeing the future with like the Tupac hologram all the stuff um, then the see you at the party Richter um, Ronnie Cox the bulging eyes death one of the yes. best bulging eyes deaths ever and then Arnold somehow surviving and that whole thing I feel like that's all one scene right we can't like really yeah separate that um anything else we left out out before we pick most rewatchable any other scene
2: this this is not my pick but this is a scene i think you have to include because this is the this is the one scene that i would pick to show somebody what we're dealing with if we're talking about the total recall i think you have to have the the, like the custom scene when arnold is dressed up as the woman and he's standing there and we see because we get to see arnold being like serious but also goofy we get this really great special effects moment when the head comes off and we, and and we see like the the weird sort of stop a- animation of it we got the bad guy in it sort of realizing something weird is going on as they're walking away i really really enjoy that scene also it's just funny to think about fucking arnold takes this head off and then he just throws it to like a security guard who's probably making Twenty-seven credits a day, or whatever they pay you on Mars, and he's just like, and then it talks shit to him. It's like, get ready for a surprise, and fucking explodes. It checks off a bunch of the like things I'm looking for in Total Recall. I think we have to include that one.
0: Well, it also checks off the box, which was a staple of that era of twenty people pointing guns at him. Somehow, nobody firing during yeah. the entire sequence. Yeah, so he's shaking his head one off. Person. He's looking at it. Every they were all guns on him. I think most rewatchable scene is uh is when the guy from Recall goes to visit him with Sharon Stone. Yeah. Just I think that's my favorite 7 minutes. What do you guys have?
2: Yeah, that's the that's the one that I pick because in almost all these situations you have to pick the scene that has the line that everybody remembers and the consider yep. that a divorce line is just it's it's up there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean that's that's the scene where you just begin to question everything that you're seeing in this in this film Mm -hmm. and begin to wonder, like, is he still in the recalled chair? Like, is this all happening in his head? How much of this is real? Um, And then to end it with an iconic line is just the best.
2: I wonder if that was like a a scene during, I mean, like, if that was a moment during the meeting when they were all like, what if we do end this with him having been in a dream the whole time? Like, wouldn't that be weird? I'm glad they didn't pick that. I'm super glad. But I wonder if that was a conversation they had.
0: Jason, would you believe me if I told you that the original line was consider it a divorce and Arnold workshopped it?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Pretty adamant and that it, maybe it should be considered that a divorce and they tried it both ways and went with, went with Arnold? Because that happened. Yeah, let me do, uh, I'll do yours and then let
1: me just roll and I'm just going to go. Uh, I'm going to try a couple <laughs> of things after
0: that. After we get this one, we just roll it. Paul, keep the keep it going. I want to try one thing. I, I, I have if we just change one pronoun. Uh some somehow I sound like Lou Ferrigno I now. Know. Uh what's age the best? So the opening credits, which are terrible, but I love this is like a classic 80s action thing. It has Mario Cassar and Andrew Vajna present. It's like the producers back then, I, I don't know if they were real people or they just were these pseudonyms <laughs> that made it sound like more of an action movie. Do you think Mario Kassar and Andrew Vajna actually existed? <laughs> or were they just pseudonyms to to make it uh, better? I don't know. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but Arnold has that. He's in the airport. with the, He's being chased during that fugitive section. He's going up the escalator. And he grabs some poor dude who's on the escalator and puts the guy in front of him him. (laughs) who gets shot. The guy gets shot 20 times. Arnold's human shield. He turns around and gets shot that way and then throws him all on the bad guys. That guy was just like going to the airport. It was,
1: uh, first of all, amazing that none of the bullets went all the way through, but also like so gross. There's also, there's a moment in that where (laughs) where you see uh, Richter, like his feet step yeah, yeah, yeah. on the body. <laughs> like it's Steps, just like
2: like on the bullet hole. There's
1: no reason for this <laughs> shot. It's just in there yeah. to be like, let's take this over the top. It's them stomping on the dude's bullet ridden chest. It is so gross. And there's like a squishing sound. It's like it's crazy.
2: well so this this was one of the first movies that that did that because mostly in the other action movies they would would get shot a hundred times and fall down and there was not a lot of like splatter or anything and this one they're just throwing it out there there's a real quick shot when when arnold comes up the escalator and they look back at it and there's just blood all over it all over the whole thing and i i can't remember having seen that before in in any of the action movies
0: the last rat that got shot. That's another one. It was just way more blood than you would have yeah, by yeah. killing one rat. And it
2: splatters up on the screen. Yeah. Like the so fucking- when I <laughs> when I was doing the research, I didn't
0: even know this. Originally, it got an X rating because it was so gory. Oh, they actually wow. had to yeah. like scale it back. But I think Verhoeven was like, look, I'm not getting rid of the human shield getting stepped on. Yeah, we need that. Yeah. I'm, I don't care. <laughs> you can give me the X rating, but I have to have that. Uh, another what's age the best. Some of the futuristic stuff, which the movie said in 2084, which apparently it's not said in the movie, but it, there's a VHS tape it said and stuff like that. Plasma wall TVs. Mm-hmm. Yep. They kind of saw good. that one coming. Um, just the ability. Uh, I feel like this movie invented FaceTime where <laughs> yeah, somebody just did. pops on yeah. the screen
2: <laughs> and now you're talking to them. I don't know why there are two screens right next to each other, like in the car. And yeah. it's both just yeah. the same person each time. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on here, but all right. Johnny cabs. Maybe, maybe, um,
0: Uber. looking ahead That's at Uber. the, te- the te- Uber cross with yeah. Tesla <laughs> auto drive. Maybe that, maybe that, I don't know. Um, the virtual reality tennis clinic, Sharon Stone's having, I think they actually have that. Yeah, they now. have that
2: really now. good. That's my favorite Sharon Stone moment in the entire movie because we catch her. She's not doing it. She's just living her life. She still thinks she's undercover. She's just fucking exercising. That's all she's doing. Get better at tennis. (laughs)
0: Uh, And then uh, they have, there's an ESPN (laughs) commercial. When in near the beginning, when he's watching the news, they throw it to ESPN. You hear the announcer go, tonight on ESPN, the fifth game of the World Series live from Tokyo. So right. I don't know what, I think it's, this movie assumed that in, uh, you know, 90 years later that it really was going to be a world series. I think that might've been off on that one, but I enjoyed that. <laughs> they went for it. Cohagen raising the price of air.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Price gouging. Classic evil guy move. Like such a subtle, this guy's evil move where it's like, you know, it's going to cost more air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How to charge you guys to breathe.
1: How does that, how do they figure that out? Like, is it just the amount of air that gets pumped into like the public area or is it the air in your home? I like, how are they billing it? I
2: I think it's, I think it's, they handle it by like taxes and you pay like a dome tax or something. And as long as you pay your sort of property tax, we're going to pump the air in. We're going to give you a certain amount of air and the better your dome, the better your air quality. But like, let's say I
1: can't pay my, my air bill. Mm
2: -hmm. Does
1: that mean everybody's air gets like diminished or do they just cut off air to my apartment?
2: No, everybody would still get air, but you would be like a homeless person, like their version of a homeless person which is basically what that bar was. They just had a bunch of people sort of trying to hustle to get by. Like like Cohagen, does
1: Cohagen really need? This is the thing. Cohagen, come on, man. You said it yourself. As long as the tellurium or whatever the stuff is, the tubinium, as long as that stuff keeps flowing, (laughs) you're good. You can do whatever you want. You don't need to nickel
2: and dime a bunch of people over air, man. What are you doing? That's what bad guys do. That's what what bad guys do. true. And what's so great about this guy as a bad guy is – uh, there are only a few times where somebody does an evil thing, and you go like, "Oh, that's evil." Outside of like being physically violent, right. and watching him do that, watching him just pump up the 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 price a little bit on something as essential as air is. is re- this is the same as like fucking throwing a kid off of a, off of the roof of a building. Like we're talking about the same level of villainy here, but we're just seeing it differently. And I really like when movies do stuff like that.
0: It would almost be like if. Trump during a pandemic was trying to figure out like the best way to make more masks that he Almost, can make money yeah, from yeah. or something. Almost <laughs> like that. Uh, co unfortunately, <laughs> co like better at his job, unfortunately. Cohagan versus Trump. Compare and contrast. Uh, that also leads to Arnold with one of my favorite Arnold just delivering an Arnold line. Give these people air. Give these people, <laughs> people it <laughs> takes air, which is a one-syllable word. Word, it makes it three syllables about air. Give this people air. <laughs> it just really goes. Anything else? Uh, age the best for you in this movie, or should we move on?
2: I like the 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 tech specifically. I like the fingernail polish thing. Yeah. I forgot that they did that, and it's just like dook, dook, dook. that's fucking. That's oh, that sweet. was cool. I forgot about that one. Yeah, okay. I really like that.
1: To me, it's just the the humor the humor of this movie like still carries it's it's funnier if
2: anything now there's a line in this one that they ended up lifting for terminator 2 i believe um when the guy comes on the screen and i wrote it down he says if you want to live don't hang up and i li- i like that they sort of started verbalizing that because we saw it before with like commando or whatever yeah. like if you stick around with arnold you're gonna stay alive but they don't really come out and say it and then they just started being like, all right, this is this is what it is.
0: And Sharon Stone is aged the best. She's unbelievable yeah. in this movie. What's aged the worst? The opening credits are truly awful. They 83 to 90, they just couldn't figure out the whole opening credits thing. They're just like, we're just going to trap people in the theater for three minutes with bad music and poor computer <laughs> graphics. And this is how our movie's going to start.
1: Yeah, what was the idea behind this kind of, like, the, these kind of red... Bars, these like melted red vertical bars. Like, what was, what were, what were we trying to convey with that?
2: It's it's, it's an illusion to the classism of Mars. Oh, okay, is what it is. Oh, there you go. Yeah, wow. it it was bad.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was trying. I was. That was my best Sean fantasy impression. Right there. I just wanted. <laughs> it I, was good. Practice. <laughs> that was a good. It was a good
0: run. Um. I don't really have a lot of what's aged the worst. I, I guess it's aged the worst for producer Craig's girlfriend who couldn't make it through the movie. But um, I really feel like this movie has aged wonderfully and I, I don't have a lot of complaints. Do you guys have any other what's aged the worst?
2: No, I, I really, I, I I think I'm finally aligned with you on this. We're, we're together. They're just watching really it. There was, there, was, there was no part where I'm like, oh, they could have done... A better job of that. I I one of the things that I didn't notice the first few times I watched and I noticed this one is just like I love how open-minded Arnold Schwarzenegger is in this movie, the like the Quaid character. He's just walking around like none of this stuff affects yeah, him. He's not- at all. He's he's throwing jokes at people. I love when the when Hank from Breaking Bad is like, you got a lot of nerves showing your face around here.
1: Luke who's talking.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just great. He just he just seemed like friendly with everybody. I love I love that of I love that of him. One thing that aged the worst, maybe I don't know, or maybe this is just a silly thing, but they give him the they give Arnold the shot in the neck to put him to sleep when they're going to do it, and then he wakes up and, and they when they try to get control of him again, the the nurse or the doctor she just freaks out and she just fucking she hits him with eight of them <laughs> <laughs> trying to get him to. I'm like, you probably killed that guy. Like, you're not know, telling how many people you killed with your fucking eight at once machine shots.
0: Uh, we're going to take a break. Then we're going to do casting what ifs. Hey, we hope you've been enjoying brilliant sound your way on Sonos. Every Sonos speaker designed from the inside out for incredibly detailed sound and deep bass fine-tuned by Oscar and Grammy winning producers, mixers, and artists. True play puts the speaker tuning capability of the recording pros in the palm of your hands, optimizes the sound for the unique acoustics of the room. Getting started super easy. Plug your speaker in, open the app. Connect all your favorite streaming services. Control the sound through the app, your voice, Apple, AirPlay, Two, whatever. All Sonos speakers and components work together. Start with one speaker. Connect more over Wi-Fi when you're ready. Look, I have it all over the place. I've been home a lot. I've been amazed how much Sonos has been in my life. Uh, you know, it's been pretty good in a quarantine. It's been good if you're just watching things with the mute. You can pop it on your little uh on your one speaker, whatever you want to do it. Um, Also great for movies uh, to accentuate, especially like some of the more modern movies where they really cared about sound. Um, Super easy to set up as well. Look, go to Sonos.com to learn more. You might learn something you didn't know. You might see some sort of a deal that you didn't know they had. S-O-N-O-S.com. I highly recommend it. All right. So, Couple of bizarre casting what ifs with this one. And this has to do with the history of the movie. In the mid 80s, Dino Laurentis, which might be another fake producer name. I don't know if all the producer names of the 80s were just pseudonyms. He had this project attached to star as Doug Quaid, Richard
2: Dreyfus. <laughs> what? Uh, that doesn't work. That doesn't work.
0: Richard Dreyfus.
2: What is do Doug Quaid?
1: Harry, what are you talking about? I've never been to Mars. That's
2: really good. That was really, that was really good. <laughs> uh, I don't understand Imagine it.
1: Richard Dreyfus in a tank top, like working like a at a construction <laughs> site. Like <du-du-du-du-du-du-du. laughs> Harry, I'm thinking about going it, to recall.
0: <laughs> it was right around when uh when he was making stakeout. So it was like kind of wow. Richard Dreyfus trying to become an action guy. Great so I movie. actually like Stakeout. Yeah. Yeah. Stakeout's good. Um, <laughs> then David Cronenberg was given the script by Dino De Laurentis, and he decided he was going to get William Hurt and he envisioned it as Spider Goes to Mars or Spider Man Goes to Mars. Um, that didn't work either. And then eventually Arnold was like, I'm taking this over. Thank um, God. Thank God for Arnie. So. Two people turned down the role of Richter, <laughs> one of which was Robert Davy. Remember him? Ooh, I love Robert Davy. Big fan. The other one, ironically, since we joked about this before, Kurtwood Smith, Neil's dad from Dead Poets <laughs> Society. The guy, at uh, the yeah, bird. that makes sense. So he that turned down this role and Ironside stepped in. I guess maybe they had an honor system. I don't know. Um, and <laughs> then after uh, Sharon Stone's performance as Laurie in this movie, Verhoeven decided he would cast her in basic instinct. Once he got that movie due to her ability of playing a character that could change from a timid, charming sweetheart to a diabolical person and back again in a moment's notice. And he says this on the director's commentary. He also stated that this is the way Sharon stone is in real life. <laughs> wow. Nice. Nice. Okay. Well,
2: <laughs> All
0: tough, yeah. All <laughs> tough for Sharon stone. All uh, all right, best uh, best that guy, a.k.a. the Joey Pants oh, Award. I have a good one here. I mean, there's a lot of that guys in this movie. Michael Ironside, a.k.a. Uh, Richter, his lead henchman.
1: Oh, that the, guy, the yes. The bleach blonde guy. Yeah.
0: That guy. Helm.
1: Michael they, Champion, Helm.
0: He was, in, uh, he was in Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-hmm. I looked through his IMDb. It looks like he was the bad guy in 50 movies over the course of, 10 years. His name is Michael Champion.
2: Perfect. Perfect. So I name. thought
0: we'd give it to him. Uh Vincent Hannah, they knew a word. Every single Michael Ironside scene. Yes. He's yes. Yes. Dialed it up to 15. Sometimes he's at 13, other times 17, but it's dialed up. I
1: just want to say, like, you learn so much about his character through in so few scenes. Like it's all about how jealous he is that his wife was put into this deep cover operation where she's fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger for God knows how many weeks. And he, it's just, you can tell right from jump, it's been driving him crazy. Like when that one guy comes in after the first fight with Sharon Stone and and Quay goes on the run
2: yeah, and he goes to help her. Right. (laughs) And (laughs)
1: he's just like, (laughs) get away from her.
0: Don't touch her. And it's like, you in that
1: one second, you're like, oh, I get it. This guy has just, like, been driven insane because his <laughs> wife is getting railed by Arnold Schwarzenegger all the time for work.
0: It's a tough one. Tough beat. The DN Waiters Award. I... Uh, uh, just a couple nominees before we get to sure. the obvious winner, but the three bo- three boob lady coming in hot, put up some <laughs> points and rebounds and assists. Um, <laughs> Quado, <laughs> two seats for it's Quado. A- <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he was fucking freaky, but uh, Sharon Stone. <laughs> this is a quintessential Dion Waiters award performance. She's in three scenes. She kicks Arnold's ass twice. She's super sexy in the first scene. You you leave this movie thinking that that person is going to be a massive star. I don't know what else we would want from a Dan Waiters Award uh, nominee. Doug, there's something I want you to know. You were the best assignment I ever had. Really. I'm honored. You sure you don't want to?
1: Just for old time's sake? Come on. If you don't
0: trust me, you can tie me up.
2: <laughs> I didn't know you so kinky.
0: Maybe it's time you found
2: out. She, she has to be the winner here, but I think you have to also include the, the woman who pretends to be or has to be Arnold Schwarzenegger in disguise. She's really, really oh. going for it. She's, she's great. If you, on, if you only focus on her in that scene and she's just sort of standing in place, shaking her head and doing her eyes and like pulling her mouth apart.
1: Have you brought any fruits or vegetables onto the planet?
0: Two weeks. Excuse me? Uh, two weeks. Yeah.
2: Two weeks. I'd love that she was like so hardcore in this moment. Jason, does this
0: movie have the highest percentage of people who are vibrating like they're having a seizure or their eyes are bulging out of their head over the course of two hours? Has there been a movie with more eye bulges? I mean,
1: we have Cohagen, uh, eye bulge. Uh we have Quaid eyebulge in the beginning of the film. And then we have three.
0: There's three of them.
1: That's right, Tikatin. When, when they try to get him again. That's right. Yeah. Eyebulge. Tikatin. And then we have uh and then we have Arnold in disguise with the kind of tremor and eye bulge Incredible eyebulge work. And,
2: and then the seats as well. Yeah. R-R-R going. And airport lady. Airport lady. Yeah.
0: The recasting couch. So the guy, the, the, how do we feel about the guy at, who works at recall, who talks Arnold into having the vacation? Couldn't that have been like a really nice early Bill Paxton kind of role? <laughs> um, Bill Paxton Bill
2: Paxton would have been great. I, but he's, like, he's,
0: uh, do we need somebody a little more famous in that spot? That's a, such a pivotal role. Would you have wanted like a like a future star there? I think Bill is
1: Bill would have been too young at this time because you're talking now. This Bill Paxton, this is like Aliens. This is around Aliens, so he would have been. You really need like that kind of sleazy forty something year old guy who who is putting putting down that energy of like a used car salesman i think paxton you know when they start talking about schizoid embolisms and and like what happens if like you, like your brain just gets fried i don't think that paxton would have necessarily had the gravitas to convince schwarzenegger that yeah strap yourself into this chair and and, and
2: i disagree microwave I disagree. your head you, slide, you could slide him in there. I think he's, I think he, that tenor of his voice that he has, when he just gets to talking, he seems like somebody who could convince you to do a thing. If you're like on the fence, you talk to Bill for a few minutes, you're like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do the thing. I have two more
0: nominees for you for that. David Caruso.
1: Wow. No, thanks. That's more of a no, sinister, thanks. that's more of a sinister vibe. Yeah. Then I'd be really like, I'm not getting in this chair. If it's David. Uh, Yeah,
2: I think. Yeah, he's a little too. He's a little too evil. I really like in that scene when the guy's like, hey, you want to do an upgrade? You could be like, take a vacation from yourself. And Arnold is like, absolutely not. I'm not interested in that. And he goes, you could be a spy. And he's like, fucking, I'm going to be a spy. Yeah, Caruso would be wild. Let's do the spy.
1: Doug, we call it the ego trip. (laughs) Let me ask you something. (laughs) Let me ask you something, Doug. What's the one thing that's always the same when you go on vacation? (laughs) Okay.
0: Last <laughs> <laughs> last nominee for this, Judd Nelson.
1: Ooh, that's a weird one.
0: Yeah, that's a little too weird.
2: Bill, Bill is a weird right move here.
0: Yeah, he's okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, half-assed internet research. We hit most of these. Paul Verhoeven. He signed on the film Autumn, nineteen eighty-eight. Five hundred people worked on the film and built forty-five sets. That tied up eight sound stages in Mexico City for six months. Wow. That away. Oh, weigh. I had it wrong. The most expensive film in, in history up to this point was Rambo 3, not Rambo 2. Oh, that
1: was the Afghan. Oh, so that the, makes sense. Yeah, that was the Afghanistan <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, ma- that makes a lot more sense.
0: <laughs> my bad. Um, did you know to coincide with the movie's release, Sharon Stone posed nude for Playboy, showing off the buff body oh, she that. developed? To Coincide
1: no with the release. Are we sure that wasn't on the books already? <laughs> like that. Was, Remember when
0: people did that? That or was like, thing oh, people this did. will help. Yeah, that was a thing. Um, the cover of the VHS edition mentions that the film takes place in 2084, which was also confirmed by Paul Verhoeven, but it's not actually in the movie. And then. Um, Wow. I, this is among my favorite half-assed internet research pieces I've ever unearthed in 110 podcasts. I'm
2: very excited.
0: The three-boobed hooker, whose name was Mary... Perfect. ...was originally supposed to have four breasts. Damn. But the producers <laughs> producers thought it looked too much like a cow's breast. So oh, they, they went go. back to the drawing board and went back yeah. to three. And they were going to go great. Which I think was the right move. Right. Yeah. yeah, they are going to do I two like and that two. Multi- I like that. Probably like twenty people were working on this, though. Hey, Paul, we have a uh, we have some mockups of the four-breasted <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> hooker. He's yeah. like, oh no! You, can you see that? Oh, no. oh, we need some bring notes. Me three,
2: hey, yeah. It's, of the five hundred people you mentioned who worked on the movie, there's like sixty three of them were only doing this part. It's <laughs> Imagine all like, in a room. <laughs> so we
1: got some notes back um, from studio on the breast. They don't like the four. They say it looks too cow-like. Uh, let's try three. <laughs> but like just to give them something to look at, let's go up to seven. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I mean, that was an actual argument in Paul Verhoeven's office. Apex Mountain. Man. I wrote this about Arnold in the, um, in the action hero championship belt that I, I did. This wasn't an apex. This was an a fucking pex. In two years, Arnold, this is from, he does this. He does Kindergarten Cop and he does T2 in the span of like 14 months. He does science fiction, action comedy, summer blockbuster on top of like all the special effects corners, the unintentional comedy corners, the one-liner corners. This is it. I don't know whether the apex is here or T2. What do you guys think?
1: I think it's T2.
2: Yeah, it has to be T2. That's the... Terminator 2 is the first movie, either Terminator 2 or Terminator 1, that's the one that has just been attached to Arnold forever. This is, this is the movie that you bring in when you're like, oh, but did you forget about this one? And you realize, like, holy shit, Arnold yeah. has got, like, deep deep cuts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think, I think if you're going A-fucking-pecs,
0: I think it's probably, it's this stretch, and then it kind of culminates with T2. Yes, But yeah. the fact that he had enough sway... To get paid what he got paid for this movie and control every single veto power aspect of it and get a percentage, yeah, fifteen fifteen percent of the profits. Guy, I mean, he probably made a hundred million dollars from this That's movie. Unbelievable. And, th- and this was not even the most successful movie he ever made. So unbelievable job of him. Rachel Ticketin. Ticketine? ticketin, ticketin? I, I think this might
1: be yeah, Rachel. I think this might be her Apex mountain. I think this might be our Apex. This might be this might be it.
0: My personal for her is man, man of fire is man on fire is uh is my personal apex for her. I I thought I like she's this really one. good in
2: that. She's that's probably like a better acting performance. Right. But when I think of the uh, Rachel, I think of like an action star. And in this one, we get to see her fighting, we get to see her shooting, we get to see her eyeballs exploding out of her head almost. This is I think this is the move to make.
0: Um Sharon Stone, no, because it's based basic instinct. Michael Ironside? I mean, it's close for him.
1: Uh, I might go. I I would pick Marshall Bell, George, and Quado over Ironside just because, like, he's he's only in the one scene, really, and he plays two characters in it. Like,
0: yeah. well, they, had, you had, can have both if it's the apex of their career. They they can both have
2: the apex. I th-
1: I think this is the apex of both of their careers. Yes, Ironside. And when, for Bell.
2: some reason. In, in my head, whenever we do Apex Mountain, the way that I seem to assign it is like, what's the very first role I think of when I think of this person? Which is like for Arnold, okay, Terminator, for Stallone, uh, Rocky. Uh, for Ironside, every single time, I, maybe it's because this was the one I watched in a the theater, but I go straight to Starship Troopers without question.
1: I, that's, that's, that's fair.
0: Yeah. He's probably more valuable in that movie too. I, yeah, I'll accept that. Ronnie Cox? Robocop yeah Robocop. for me it,
1: Robocop well for me for me it's this for Ronnie Cox for me it's it's Cohagan yeah,
0: yeah I, w- I would say Cohagen as well uh
2: Mars <laughs> <laughs> no the Martian the Martian
1: I well yeah and there's, there's a sci- case
2: that this is Mars's apex mountain
1: and here's the thing <laughs> in a scientific sense the Martian Fine, okay, because it's all about Mars, trapped on Mars. He's growing uh, potatoes and his own shit on Mars. It's Mars, Mars, Mars all the time. In this one, it's like it's the idealized Mars. There's there's this alien engine that creates air. That's been just they never turned it on. It's been under there for half a million years. I think that I think that this is Mars's apex mountain. The Martian is about that's about that's Matt Damon's vehicle. That could have been it. Could have been the moon. Mm-hmm. This is, this is Mars's movie. It's about Mars.
2: That, that was, what, 64 years from now? Yeah. I don't think we're going to make it. I don't, I don't think, think we're going to match we're gonna the make timeline it. in 64 years. I don't think we'll be living on Mars just yet. Movies set on Mars. The Martian, The Last Day on Mars, Mission to Mars, Total Recall, John Carter, Red Planet, and Doom are the first ones that come up. Yeah, I, I, I think The Martian. But Total Recall, sure, go for it.
0: I say Total Rico only because in 1990, it still seemed conceivable that someday we could live on Mars. That was a thing. That was a thing in the air at the time. Like, yeah, maybe someday we'll get there, but now it's <laughs> obviously not happening. Here
1: is my final pitch for this being uh, the Mars's apex mountain. The way people say Mars in this movie is just more fun than The Martian. First of all, you have got Harry going, "Hey, hey, Quaid." How was Mars? And then you've got...
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got every time
1: Schwarzenegger says, Mars? Mars? What a, Harry, what are you talking about? I've never been to, to Mars. What? Like, there's just the way people say Mars in this movie is much more fun. That's my argument.
0: And and Venusville.
1: Venusville.
0: I would say three boob ladies and four boob ladies, Apex Mountain, because we've never seen it before or since. Uh, picking nits. I only have a couple. Because so, <laughs> you, right. you can either pick this With everything Or or you just kind of ride with it I think this is one of those I'm just going to ride with the premise um, These movies Escape from New York did this too Where right. you shoot something In the side of somebody's neck And it just magically is going go to Do go, this yeah. stuff I've never really seen the science of this Like, I don't know I'm feeling my neck right now I, I just feel like Things would hurt. Would it be that easy? Would you? Would you be, still be feeling it twelve hours later? Everybody seems to be fine when this happens. So oh, that the it's tracker one of those swept under the rug. The tracker was huge. Yeah, the tr- that he pulls out of his nose was, was gigantic. Big. Yeah, that yeah. was another one. Yeah, he doesn't know that's in there the whole time. It was, it was like, like a, a like, ping pong ball size. It was an air. It was, it was like an AirPod
1: that, case. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Arnold ends up really. Really punching Sharon Stone during this movie, yes. which has not aged the best, but um, she did try to kill him over and over again. Um, she get, she's fine afterwards. There's no mark. Yeah, she she gets right up. It's like she my, just takes it. They kind of gloss over that one. I feel like if Arnold punched any of us, we'd be down for like an hour.
2: My my guess is he he hit her in the jaw, not in the face. Like he hit her here. You get you get hit right there. You're not gonna get marks. You know what I'm saying? You stay away from okay. this area. You come this is, down as there. always, Shade, valuable punching expert. Nobody has more
0: punching. Hauser, Hauser, the Quaid's alter ego, cocky Arnold, mm-hmm. I guess we could call him. So he explains he used to work for Cohagen, but switched sides right. after learning about an alien artifact on Mars and then underwent the memory wipe to protect himself. Jason,
2: what?
1: I that's not. <laughs> yeah. That, what, uh, I, I, what? huh. I don't. Uh, I that's. I, I was under the impression that that Cohagan wiped him and then stashed him on Earth to like get him out of the way. He's too valuable for some reason to kill. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I, that made my brain hurt. But then, but then,
0: Hauser's saying he's the one that wiped his memory. It just doesn't it's like, make any sense. First of all. Cohagen, just kill Quaid. Like, why why are you making this so comedy? I just fucking put a bullet in his head. And then for Hauser, like, why why does he want to wipe out his memory? It's like kind of like a half suicide almost. Shay, explain this.
2: Okay, there are two plot lines that that are are happening here. There's the one that we see and we believe is going on where we have uh, Michael Ironside is trying to, he's like legitimately trying to kill Quaid. Because he hates him. Be, he because he hates them. also because he's not in on the master plan. The master plan was set up by CoHagen and and Hauser and they said, "Okay, what we have to do is we have to wipe my memory after I've already tried to go in and and like go undercover with the mutants. They sniff that out. So wipe me completely. Put me down on earth. We're going to like push Earth Arnold Toward going back to, to recall, so that his memory can get jogged, and he can come to Mars, and now he's going to be able to like work his way in with the mutants, and we're going to use that to kill Quado. And then after that happens, we bring Arnold in, and you rewipe him, and I'm going to be back. That's why Cohagen doesn't kill him, because he knows his job at the end is to like reset Arnold so that Hauser can be back, you know what I'm saying?
0: I think Jason almost wow. did the bulging eyes, <laughs> running Cox thing during that. <laughs> 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 that was a good explanation, I think though. that was really good. Um, I One of the flaws in that whole premise is Arnold, pretty recognizable guy. The six foot three, 280 pound guy. I was like, let's send him back to Earth. Nobody will notice this guy. This mm-hmm. giant fucking dude who's a hero on Mars. And why... Why give him the last name Quaid, which seems very close to Quado, the guy he's going to kill? Why not just call him like Doug Johnson? Yeah. Uh, seems like the Q thing is a little strange. Um okay. Best quote, we've named all of them. Um, could this be remade as a 10-episode Netflix show? Jason just cracked that one. Okay. Probably unanswerable questions. This is one... Uh, my, my buddy Jim Grady from high school, we actually debated this in high school. Um, a, is it okay to be attracted to the three-breasted lady? And B... The three-breasted lady... And is- B, could you date a three-breasted lady? We These are conversations we had at four in the morning.
2: She's getting is it a okay? We of, answer, the answer is yes. A lot of airtime on this. I was not expecting this much. What are you talking talk. about? How were you not expecting it? <laughs> I was expecting like 40 you? seconds, and we've done no. 25 well,
0: minutes. There's no answer to that. Uh, CoHagan versus Trump, compare and contrast. Maybe we can do that on a separate <laughs> podcast. Did, did Arnold in real life at some point make a run at Sharon Stone with all the time they spent together? I'm going to say a 100% lock knowing everything. Arnold couldn't even be around his maid for a couple months I without think, like making a run at her. I think
1: the fact that we have not ever heard a rumor about this leads me to believe that yes that happened.
0: Shay Arnold, horny guy.
2: Yeah, he took a swing. He took He took a swing. And she was and she was like, "Nah, no thanks." No thanks.
0: Or she was like, "Maybe maybe this is this is a fun idea." Cuz he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's Peter a handsome governor. muscular. I don't know. There's some story that hasn't come out yet that um, so let's get into, um, was this real?
2: Was this real? No. Wait, 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 what, wait, what, wait. Was, what, what part real? of it,
1: what part of it was, yeah, what, was this in his head or was this actually happening so in the way that we think it was, uh, because of the way it was depicted in the film?
0: So I'm going to, I'm going to lay out all the evidence okay. for This was all a recall fantasy that he signed up for that then becomes the movie. Um, Verhoeven said he wanted to make the movie completely ambiguous so the audiences would not know even at the end if it was just a dream, but he did say he believed the ending was a dream, but then the casting of Arnold suggests it was not a dream. And that people who would go to see an Arnold movie would be in favor of a reality ending versus a dream ending. But if you actually like pay attention and you watch this movie 75 times, so the guy at the beginning who should have been played by Bill Paxton, he pitches the secret age and ego trip to Quaid. He tells him, quote, by the time the trip's over, you'll get the girl, yeah. kill the bad guys and save the entire planet. We see him picking... Who he wants. He, they go with 41A. He does a demure athletic They sleazy. have her face on the screen. They have her face. When Dr. Lull tosses Ernie a computer chip, he looks at it and says, that's a new one, blue sky on Mars. That's what his trip was called. The scientists say that. And then um, when Quaid goes to shoot the doctor with the sweat drop, the doctor actually describes all the events that will happen subsequently in the movie, like the thing's going to almost collapse, blah, blah, blah. So I think the answer is it was a dream from the moment he's at recall.
2: That's my, that's my official answer. I think, I think if you're going to make the argument that it was a dream, then it can't have started at recall because the movie starts with Arnold already dreaming about Rachel. It's, that's already in his head. So if this is a recall thing, that means he did the recall well before then and we're just remembering it. Oh, all interesting. Now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So
0: the, the the cases against it being a recall are he has the dream. He's doing construction and the guy gives like side eyes him, the guy who ends up eventually trying to kill him when he's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to go to Mars. And that and that guy gives him like a really evil look. Yeah. And then Sharon Stone does the same thing. She gives him kind of an evil, suspicious look too. So that would insinuate that this was not a dream.
2: I don't yeah, I don't think this was a dream because because of those exact things you're mentioning. He has he's already dreaming about Rachel, which means he's already seen her and we know that he's seen her because when he goes back to to Mars they're like what are you doing back here? All of that stuff has already happened. I think it has to be a real thing for sure. Jason, what do you think? I think that it is it is part
1: of a brain-damaged delusion, and I think that he's running this memory back in a loop, which is why he dreams about Rachel in the beginning. This is not the first time he's run through these memories. This is who knows how many times he's been doing this. So he's just stuck in this loop that's happened to him because he's had his brain fried by this process.
0: I disagree. That's, okay. that's, that's an impressive <laughs> version of this. Yeah, I think... Here's the thing. I think we're all kind of right because I think Verhoeven makes the movie and he's like, "Ah, fuck it. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm putting everything on the table and we're not solving it." And he says in the director's commentary, commentary "I want to make. I wanted to make a movie that was completely ambiguous on what actually happened." And now we're sitting here debating what happened. But I, And he's he probably it. laughing if he's still alive. He's like, look he at these it. fucking guys <laughs> debating whether this is real or not. <laughs> I specifically went in two different directions at the same time. There is no answer. <laughs> but I think there's more evidence that it was a dream than it was real. But
2: I, I think you could go either way. Who won the movie for you guys? You know, who won, you know who won the movie for me? Not Arnold, not Rachel, not Sharon. Eye bulges. Oh, wow. Best eye bulges in movie... History. There's something, whatever, the entire movie is like, almost the entire movie is set on this alien planet, and the entire movie is set up like in a future that we don't know, we don't quite understand, but when you get to whatever scene you're in, and there's eye bulging happening, you understand sort of implicitly how painful that must be. I, I can't remember another eye bulge scene in a movie like this, The the, the only other eye scene I think of immediately is... And hostile when the mm. girl's eyes hanging out of her head and the guy has to cut it. But as far as the eyes go in movies, I think I I think eye Bulgers won this movie. That's that's my pick.
1: I'm gonna kind of take Shays and take a different angle with it. I'm gonna say this is like the most mainstream version of of like the David Cronenberg body horror style like the the mutant designs with like dean norris with the vagina face and the three-breasted lady and Quado <laughs> and then the eye bulges and all like the gross things that happens to happen to people's bodies in this this is like one of the most gross mainstream action movies it just in terms of like disturbing you with the human body that's ever been made um and so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say that i'm gonna say body horror
0: I, I'm between Arnold and Paul Verhoeven. Wow, because th- because uh, I think this was a really hard movie to pull off, and yeah. I, I didn't really fully realize it till I was researching it. The to do this movie pre 1990, basically, they their filming's done in 1989, and all the things they had to do that now they would just CGI three fourths of it. Um, I it's hard not to say he won, but then you think like Arnold. To, to buy the script and to craft it in a way where he's going to make all the money if it does well and and uh, and then he crushes it and it leads to this three movie apex for him that where he's honestly one of the five biggest movie stars of my lifetime coming mm-hmm. out of that three thing where it's like that 12 year run he has of box office reach, stardom all that like the way he kind of reshaped action movies and this is like right in the dead center of it. So I, I'd probably lean to Arnold, but um, I really think he's one of the five biggest movie stars we've had since I've been alive. And I don't know who the other four are, but he's definitely one of the five.
2: Yeah, when, uh, when I was talking to my youngest kid about this, who a um, super big fan of The Rock, every movie mm-hmm. that The Rock is in, he's like, when I'm t- talking to him, I'm like, this guy here, this is my version of The Rock. I care about this guy the way that you care about this guy's movies. Uh, you know what we didn't mention? I, I've I've neglected to bring this up um, And what's age the best. I'd do it very quickly. The scene when Arnold goes to the hotel and he has a the guy's like, "Oh, you left like a message here." for yourself or something in the safety deposit box. I love in a movie when there's like a cryptic message in a safety deposit box. Yeah. I can't think of a time when that was like a bad twist in there. I just love to, to open it up and see like a marker and a police badge and like $7 in cash. Right. It all mean something. <laughs> and you're going to find out later on what it means. I really love that. That's like such a fun little trick. It's true. It's where it works a hundred
0: percent of the time. I think the difference between Arnold and the rock other than his movies have just been kind of, I think, bigger and better. There's no point in Arnold's career from 84 through 94 where he's going to like hop into Vin Diesel's movie as a supporting character. Oh, right. And I think Stallone was like that too. Both of those guys hit a point where it was inconceivable they were going to be not the number one guy on the poster and basically the Michael Jordan of the movie. This was like the... Action ball hero era, or hero ball era for action movies, where yeah you've found the one guy for the poster and then you kind of built around him. I think it's changed now. With now it's almost like the ensemble has more power now. Yeah. Like the way we've seen Fast and Furious kind of reinvent it, where they just keep adding famous people and like, but the totality of the stardom is mm-hmm. the star. And back then, you could really, Arnold could have released any movie and it would have made $200 it's million. so true. Well, the Rock, yeah.
1: the Rock is really, you know, his career is cast in the mold that Arnold created, which was like mm-hmm. this gigantically swole action hero with lots of one-liners who wins every fight. That's Arnold's bag. And The Rock is really just kind of, living in the shadow of that, as huge of, as a movie star as he is.
0: Well, we saw, you know, this was the heyday with him and Stallone and Van Damme and Roadhouse and just this this an unbelievable run for action movies. And then it definitely shifts a little bit. Nick Cage tries to keep it alive for a few years, but by the time we got to the early 2000s, it it just ended up in a really strange place for a few years. And then I, I do feel like Liam Neeson with Taken, Revived it in a lot of ways, and that led to like whatever this wave that I think we're still in now. But like, when I remember seeing Taken, I felt like a starving person in the desert being given a sandwich (laughs) like, oh, a real action movie! Thank you, like just a conventional one guy kicking ass for an hour and a half. Thank you for this. I appreciate it. Now, now it's been a little smarter, but uh, this is a classic. Um, Jason, yeah, Shay, yeah, I'm glad we did this we did it for Arnold we did it for Mars Um, (laughs) thanks for (laughs) listening thanks for listening to the rewatchables give these people air (laughs) okay thanks to State Farm and thanks to Sonos remember every Sonos speaker designed from the inside out for incredibly detailed sound and deep bass true play puts the speaker tuning capability of the recording pros in the palm of your hands plug your speaker and open the app connect all your favorite streaming services you can also connect your tv or even a turntable and listen to everything you love go to sonos.com to learn more we'll be back with one more rewatchable this week enemy of the state if you want to get ready for that one a classic i'm glad we're doing a couple of great action movies this week uh,
2: we'll see you then